Hello, everybody, and welcome to Heart of the Matter. Today, I have with me one of the most handsome men I know and my sweet baby brother, Joshua Lennox. So if you haven't already, please subscribe, click, link, and share this podcast. Welcome to the Heart of the Matter, Josh. Heart of the Matter. So glad to be here. So glad you're with us, Josh. Will you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Uh, I don't have anything <laughs> to tell you. Uh, oh, Paul, <laughs> please. That is the last I just, thing. I just escaped the asylum. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, well, I am a licensed clinical mental health counselor. Uh, also a life coach. Uh, do a little singing, do a little dancing, do a little oh. acting. Um I'm an author, but you know what? Those are all the things that I do. But I'm gonna just, all honesty, all the things uh, uh, equate to the person that I am, which I'm a person who loves people, uh, mm-hmm. very caring, compassionate, love family, uh, love spending time with friends, uh, just a well-rounded person who just loves to spread love and loves to uplift and encourage uh, anybody and everybody that I come into contact with. So, yeah, yeah. I think that that's good synopsis. Yeah, I think that is you. That's why I chose you to be my baby brother. Just saying. I know you did not like the role to begin with, but... Well, you know, had to take some time, you know, had to really reel me in, you know? I know, I know. We'll talk about that later on so we can share with people how to maintain and heal a rupture in a relationship. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Josh, so I love that you come with me today. So some of the things we let people know is that typically and traditionally, most people do not come to this profession right out of school. So tell the folks a little bit about your educational path. What did you do first? Oh, goodness. So I went to first to get started. I started at University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. Uh, mm-hmm. I graduated in 2007. And y'all, I, I just knew that I was going to have the right uh, major and everything. When I went in, I was like, I want to make money. So I'm going to do computer science. No, and I then I was like, I'm not about to, right. I'm not, I'm not about to take all this math. <laughs> then I was like, okay, well, let's do music education. I love music. I love to sing and I could teach it. I believe that didn't last long. Then it was music vocal performance. And it was like, no, that's, and, and took my advisor to tell me, she said, Josh, you can sing professionally without having to major in this. And I was like, God, what do you want me to do? And so I went back to the drawing board and ended up doing sociology and anthropology. Graduated in uh, 2007. I always knew that I would go back to school. I just didn't know when. And a lot of people would tell me, you know, you don't don't leave uh, undergrad, uh, go right on in. And I was like, I don't think that I didn't feel that tugging. I just knew I would go back. Uh, right. Fast forward, 2012, I uh, started at Liberty University uh, in pastoral counseling. And at first I was like, what is this? <laughs> what, why am I being led to this? Right. And even the path to that was me trying to get a job. I moved to Atlanta from Nashville, my hometown. And I remember uh, the woman called me. She said, I just want to verify, uh, Mr. Lennox, that uh, you are one is to seek employment. And I was like, yes. And she was like, well, are you thinking about further your education? I see you have a bachelor's. And I was like, not at this time. I just need to work. You know, <laughs> a man don't work, he don't eat. So I need a job. And it's like she completely ignored me. She said, OK, well, I'm going to transfer you to Liberty University. And I'm like, lady, did you hear what I said? And she transferred me. And long story short, that's just how it happened. So pastoral counseling, I was full time. 
God would not allow me to go to school, but I was getting money from them refund checks. Oh, um, yeah. Right. And then after that, um, I started back to back. I think I, I graduated 2013, December. I was done December 2013 uh, with mm-hmm. pastoral counseling. And just as much as I'm thinking like, yes, now it's time to get a job, whatever. And God was like, no, you're going to go right back. So then I went right back with professional counseling. And I'm wow. like, this does not make sense. Why am I getting, can I get the can counseling, just counseling? And going through that long process, uh, a lot of things were just, uh, it was a long process. Cause I finished in 2017, but in doing that, uh, I didn't know until almost the end of the program that, oh yeah, you have to do a practicum and an internship. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> what? You just graduate and I get a, like a license that doesn't work that way? I just thought that that's how it worked. I was like, okay, I get my degree, then I can get a license and whatever, and, and, and I could be universally. I didn't know it was by state. So oh, yeah, going yeah, to the practicum. Right. Going to the practicum uh, I, at the last minute, uh, I, I didn't know that there was even any counseling places. And uh, at that time when I was living in Fayetteville, North Carolina, I had no idea. And I'm like, they were like, you have about two weeks to find a site. I'm like, what? So I'm looking around, looking around, looking around nothing to an avail. And I went to one place and they literally told me, they said, well, have you tried Thrive Counseling? And I said, well, I called and I said, I had to leave a message and uh, nobody called me back. He said, you might want to call them back. And I, so I pulled up to the place and called and I talked to the owner, shout out to Chris Floro. And he oh, literally nice. was like, well, uh, we're, we're full to capacity. We only have one spot from one and that's been filled, you know, but uh, I'll check back with you and see if you got anything within a couple of days. And to no avail, anything came and I'm stressed and not knowing, you know, I need this to graduate. So it's like, it's not the uh, option. And he called me back and I still hadn't had anything. And literally he took me on as another uh, practicum student, which he was only supposed to have one. And uh, I remember rejoicing because it's so small and limited in a sense with Fayetteville. And I had no idea that the place was right around the corner. I had passed it several times of me being there since 2015. So did the practicum. Okay, didn't know what I was going to do for internship because I wasn't guaranteed that uh, because of off the bat because of, you know, limited things. But then Chris told me, he said, you know, I think we're going to find a way to keep you on for the internship. Well, y'all, you have to do 600 hours in your uh, internship uh, that's split between your direct hours and also your um, unrelated hours or whatnot. And um, uh, your, uh, what is it called? Non-direct, indirect. There we go. <laughs> indirect hours. I don't know the terminology. I pulled out of my mind. <laughs> right. Unfortunately, it's still in mind, but okay. Right. So six hundred hours. And crazy thing is, as I was told from my, from Liberty, they told me I had to do it in a semester. Now, y'all, listen to me. Your own six hundred hours is a lot, especially for counseling. Um, mm-hmm. And I was going to usually get at least two semesters uh, to do that. And I was I have a, I had to do mine in one. And oh, it was neither, needless baby. to say, say it again, Kelly. Sweet baby Jesus. I mean, t- I'm trying to tell you. So I was literally, and I, I'm thankful for the practice because I could sit with any and everybody. I was not limited. And there was also a substance abuse group that met Monday and Tuesday for two hours. So that was a plus. Uh, but I had to bust my tail. And I mean, I literally was at the practice from eight o'clock in the morning till some Monday and Tuesday till eight o'clock. 8 p.m., so like 12 hours, and then um, to, uh, to, uh, Wednesday through uh, Friday, pretty much from open to close, and I was busting my hump because I had to. Right. 
I learned a lot in that. It was stressful, but I learned a whole lot about uh, my limitations. But what would happen if I later on went on to be a therapist and things of that nature? So long story short, got that done. And I, I still I survived it. It still makes me shake a little bit when I think about it, but <laughs> did that. And actually, you know, after that, I was like, well, just because I have graduate doesn't mean I have to be a therapist. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not. I, th- I might do something else with this. Uh, so I ended up becoming uh, an assistant uh, to the the practice. And, you know, I'm thinking like, oh, yeah. And the, the owner kept saying, you sure you don't want to, you know, you did a lot of work. You sure you don't want to get licensed? I'm like, no, <laughs> that was enough work. I don't want to do it. So I ended up going through 2018. And at the finally, uh, I actually, I think in the summertime, I took my test. I decided, okay, I'm going to do this test, and the which is the NCE, uh, the National Counselor's Examination. And I just knew like, uh, let me do it or whatever. And I'm confident in it. I had a lot of support from the practice. Kelly uh, being there at that time as well, uh, very much so supportive, uh, pushing me, praying for me. And I took it and I, I fell by a point. By a point, you guys. <laughs> by a point. Uh, however... Did- Understand that's expensive to take. It's not like it's it free. They is. don't allow you. It's it's a couple of hundred dollars. So it's mm-hmm. not like this is something that's twenty dollars a sack lunch or something. <laughs> it, it's, it's expensive. So I still motivated. I encouraged myself, and you know, at some point, I was like, you know, I think I'm going to move back to Nashville. I'm going to move. I think that that's where I feel like I'm going to go. And then there was an opportunity for me to become a counselor and also learn, uh, get my uh, provisional license while I was working there to work with students. Uh, They ended up falling through, but I wouldn't do anything else until I heard from them. And then when I finally heard that they were on a job freeze, I told the owner, I said, you know what? I'm going to take the test again. And he said, whatever you need from us, let us know, take off, whatever. Y'all, I only had like a week to take it. I had a week to take it. So I studied, 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 studied. I remembered a lot of the material I studied for. Took the test in December of 2019. I will, I will never forget. I'm sorry, 2000, uh, 2008, December 2018. 18. I'm getting my dates messed up. This December 2018. <laughs> took the test, passed it. Passed the test. I'm like, all right. So now this is where it starts. And then now for getting provisionally licensed, and I was getting provisionally licensed in North Carolina, boy, did I not know the time that was ahead and all the many hours that I have to get. Let's see, was it 2000? That's when hell really started. You just thought you were beginning. You thought you were ending. It was just beginning, didn't you, brother? We've only just begun to live. (laughs) Right. So 2000 hours, y'all. And I'm like, Look, didn't I just do 600? Like, can't they count for something? Now, see, if I was a marriage family path, they would count my hours from internship. Mm-hmm. And so well, I think it's not cool. But anyway, um, 2,000 hours. And y'all, a lot of those hours happened when the pandemic hit. Yeah. So going and through that. Love you. you had to switch supervisors. Yes, I went from uh went from one supervisor, then I ended up getting this crazy lady. Uh, y'all might have heard of her, but her name is Kelly Jo Hart. <laughs> yeah, I ended up getting her, and I love the cohort. What's so important is when you are in this uh part, the people that you work together with, people who are getting their hours as well, and uh and then having that support where you can go to your supervisor at any time, needing guidance, needing to vent, uh, needing to be helped, be helped uh, walk through uh, things with your clients. And uh, 
it was a new world because it was virtual. I was used to being in person uh, with people. So, and then I'm getting my hours. So, you know, I'm counting my hours. You have to count your hours, you know, tally them up every week and make sure that you're crossing your T's and dotting your I's because that's going to be ultimately what's going to get you your full license. Um, so from 2019, uh, I got my full license just to give y'all just listen now. I said, I said, 2019, and I mean the beginning, like the end of January 2019, I didn't get fully licensed until, what was it? June, uh, June of 20... 2021? Yeah, I think so, at least. It was yeah. about two years. Mm -hmm. and two it was a long grand... years. It was a glorious day. We threw a party, went out and had lunch. You got to eat and everything of that nature because it is a huge accomplishment to get that final stamp and say you have completed and now you are proved to be fully licensed uh, mm -hmm. uh, in the state <laughs> of where you are. So uh, that has been my, uh, that was the journey. And at the same time now still working uh, in therapy, uh, uh, still uh, on, I'm online with BetterHelp now. I've been with them since last February. So it's been a year and some months. So um, the journey has been long it's, and I, it's not easy at all when you, yeah. so that's kind of been the quick version, even though that was a lot, but quick version of what that journey started as, is just thinking, oh, I'm in school, you know, I can do whatever to then having to do some real, uh, grinding work, uh, in order to get uh, provisionally licensed and then to get fully licensed. And okay. then now after that, no supervision. So you're okay. on your own. You got you're your colleagues you can lean on. You have people on call, but you've reached a point to where you don't need anyone to uh, supervise you. But at the same time, you always will need people to lean on, always need colleagues and things of that nature. So, yeah, I'll take mm -hmm. a sip of my tea for that. That was a lot. Yeah, go ahead. Get that. Well, you know, and it, it is funny because, you know, as being a supervisor, you have to hold that space and and play with that relationship of, you know, I'm being your supervisor, but yet I'm also your friend in a way and your colleague. And, you know, me, well, most people don't, but they will soon. You know, I'm like the mom, but I, I don't mean to be, but I am. And, you know, uh, figuring out where everybody is developmentally in their process of therapy, you know, so trying to pair people with where you know, because I really wanted to pair you with a person in your cohort where you guys were in the same place in your process. So you yes. could grow together. And I, I have found that that that's kind of like the sweet sauce, right? For mm -hmm. me too. So it's been unique for me to figure out how to do that, like to figure yeah. out my own boundaries and like calm myself down, but also <laughs> figuring out how to like put people together where they grow together and can support themselves too. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's right. been a wonderful journey for me on the supervision side too. Yeah. So I enjoy you putting <laughs> up with me and letting me figure some things out too. I did. Cause you got me out of a lot of crooks or some difficult diagnosis that I was dealing with, you know, and shout out to Katie. Because Katie was in my cohort with me. She's another one of Kelly's cheering <laughs> babies. Oh, I love my children so much. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And that's the thing I think, you know, really choose a supervisor. They don't have to be as crazy and as invasive as I am. But I do think you need to find somebody you pair well with and who cares about you. Not only just the clients that you see, but 
cares about your mental health and where you're at, because if you're not well, you're the instrument in the room. Like, you know, I do play therapy too. And one of the ladies I follow always says, well, you're the biggest toy in the room. You're the best toy in the room. So if you're not working well and your heart and mind aren't in the right spot, then, you know, you can't help your clients. So as a supervisor, I always want to attend to you first before I mm -hmm. help you attend to your client. So right. that's right. why I'm an invasive mother. So I apologize for that. <laughs> and we loved it. We needed it. <laughs> I don't know, but I do love all of y'all. So my next question yeah. for you is, um, you know, we talk a lot about what it looks like to be physically well, right? Like, what are your mm -hmm. numbers? What's your cholesterol? What's your yeah. heart rate? What's your BMI? Don't ask me. I'm not telling. What's your, <laughs> you know, like, what's your physical weight? What, you know, yeah. the medical industry has worked really, really good at advocating these numbers. And yeah. on some level, they're really great, right? Because they give us indicators for the lay person to understand when they are out of bounds. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I do not think that the, our side of the street, so to speak, has done a really good job at saying, well, what does it look like just to be mentally well? Like we identify mm -hmm. when you are like way out of whack. Yeah. Oh, well, what does sad look like? What does mad look like? What does depressed look like? What does angry look like? Oh, well, we know what the kid with a conduct problem looks like. Oh, right. yeah, we know all that. But what do we say being mentally well looks like, right? So I want to explore with you, what do you think mentally well looks like for you? For me, uh, mentally well, and I'll say this in, uh, yes, in specification to myself, mentally well means that I'm, uh, first of all, I'm in attunement with myself. Okay. I'm checked in with myself. I know what's going on. I'm acknowledging things. I'm not suppressing things. I always say suppression leads to depression. Yeah. So again, if I'm tucking things down, uh, I, if I'm not tucking things down and I'm uh, addressing things, maybe not right away, but I'm not ignoring them or avoiding them, um, I think that aids in me making sure that I'm providing, which is the term we always say, but self-care to myself. Uh, mm -hmm. I have to make sure that I'm also, uh, I think what uh, meant, uh, the wellness part of that is that I'm balanced. That okay. I'm balanced within my professional world. I'm balanced within my personal life, my social life. Um, Making sure that I'm also uh, uh, in relationship with my interests, my hobbies, knowing when to unplug, knowing when to uh, have boundaries, which I didn't have boundaries until I was 34 and I'm 38. I know I look 12, but I'm 38, <laughs> but I didn't have boundaries. So therefore, I didn't know how to say no. I didn't know how because I was afraid people would be disappointed or upset with me. Um, I also didn't know how to ask for what I needed. So when I, because again, I'm an individual, so there is, uh, there are certain things I may need to lean on people about. I might, and it's not just venting, but maybe I need the connectivity with other people um, and, and utilizing my resources. So mm -hmm. when I'm mentally well, I'm very much so activated with my boundaries and I'm okay with that. And I'm secure in that. Um, also communicating if I'm not doing so well <laughs> or if I need space. Um, or whatever that may look like. Also, moving my body. I always say, even though we talk about the physical, as you said, 
Um, I love to dance. I love to work out. I love to run. So, you know, those things I see play a major part in my um, my wellness. Uh, also, uh, remaining in a peaceful state, <laughs> keeping myself stable mentally. Um, I notice when I don't do, if I go a long time without doing physical activity, I can fall into a, some some levels of depression. Mm-hmm. Um, making sure that I'm eating, I'm eating well. I'm hydrated. I have a lot of, I'm drinking a lot of water. Um, I'm getting proper rest. Um, also not taking on in this profession, it's, it's easy sometimes to take on, uh, you can end up taking on some of the burdens of your clients, which again, to a, to a degree, you're going to do that anyway. But I think I heard a saying that says to care. I've had to learn to make sure that I care, but not always carry. Because if you carry and their problems become your problems, it's like, okay, I don't have any, where's my breathing room? So caring, but not caring. Um, Also, again, I I, I love to thrive off of relationships with others. It's good to make sure you're staying connected to others. You're checking in with family, checking in with friends. And I like to laugh a lot. So I laugh all the time, Uh, do things that really uh, pour into my cup. Mm-hmm. Whether that's singing, whether that's uh, watching certain uh, movies, watching certain catching up on my TV shows. I don't watch a lot of TV, but when I do, I try to catch up with some things. Um, mm-hmm. Learning, learning about new things, uh, reading, reading some books and uh, getting some things. I really like that people say the little self-help books, but I like those books that uh, continue to get help with your own development uh, and as well as your. Um, what's the word? Um we're just going to say development, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, with your personal development and things. So um, I say mental wellness for me are encompasses a lot of those things. And for me personally, too, is prayer, making sure that I'm tapped in, uh, praying uh, to uh, pour back into me, ask God for strength, asking for endurance, asking for direction. Uh, Seems like I'm always lighter once I finish praying than when I went in to the throne room, but, but yeah, so I would say, I would say all of those things are what mental wellness that with all those things, those, if those things were checked, that means that I'm in a, a, a well place as far as mentally. Okay. Well, that's cool because I ask everybody that because for me, when I come up with that consensus, I think if we were to maybe push wellness, mental wellness, we would have less symptoms of mental illness. Yeah. Right. And I'd like to yeah. get there. But mm-hmm. obviously my idea of mental wellness is not everybody else's. So I'm trying to figure it out by asking everybody, right? Yeah. Because there's got to be a standard. We've just got to figure out what the standard is. Piece by piece. Piece by together piece. Streamline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. I, you know, and the reason I'm bringing it up with everyone and I want to have it out there is I want people to start thinking, like, what's your baseline for mental yeah. wellness? And if you don't know, I want you to explore it. So you can like write it down, make a plan. And if you start feeling yourself drift, you can get back in lane. Because if you're not aware and you're not asking the question, hmm, it's a problem, right? You do, right. So as we talk about our career path and our field, what do you think are some of the biggest problems with it or you see with it? Or do you see any? Like, do you see any problems with it? I see a whole lot. No, I'm sorry. (laughs) I do too, but I'm not bringing them all up because this is your time. Okay, so where do I start? Well, if I be very, which I am, I'm going to be very frank and honest. Uh, One of the things I believe within the mental health field 
I believe that we're not paid as much as what we should be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do not believe that we're paid because again, being a counselor is not just uh, showing up to be a facilitator. You're a researcher, you're a teacher, uh, you're a parent sometimes, you're a friend, uh, you're a, your brother or a sister, whatever it is, because you have to be what that client needs. Um, you don't just leave when that camera goes off or when you, or you leave the off, the client leaves the office. That's not just the only, that's not where it ends uh, for each of us. So I believe that mental health is not, it's not paid as much as it should be. And again, it takes a lot to get to where we are to be, to get your license. It takes a lot <laughs> as, as you all heard me earlier in, in things. Um, and I, I sometimes I kind of cringe when I hear clients say, you know, I'm paying so much, uh, you know, and I can, to me, you know, I understand the financial uh, things for people and some of them is hard for people. But my thing is you, you're not even paying as much as you actually should be according to my background, according to whatever it is. But that's one thing I feel. Um, I also think that there can be a great deal of burnout that can easily happen uh, within our field that's not always understood or even spoken about, um, especially since this pandemic hit and then how the world has been after uh, we've moved past that in a sense, I'll say still in a sense, um, it's a lot. It is, it's heavy. It's a lot. I don't care if you, ha- I used to say sometimes, oh, I have, I only have five clients today. And I remember hearing somebody tell me, you have five clients, that's enough. If you had two or three, you know, you don't realize you're dealing with so many different dynamics from client to client. Um, you get tired. But again, going back to the the financial in, uh, uh, financial piece, you know, sometimes it's like, well, I care about my clients. I'm here. I'm fully invested. But if I only see a certain amount, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay my bills. Like I oh, it's to. exactly true. Yeah. And it's not to, uh, this is not a, say it again, Kelly. You have to, because you've got financial, you've got student loans to pay for and rent to pay for. And you don't get insurance in this field because half the time you're practicing privately and there's no health benefit with that. I mean, people don't think about these things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And insurance reimbursement is like what? 70 bucks an hour, if that. And not only that And people, let me say this, when we talk about, and Kelly knows very much so about this, but when you do uh, deal with clients who have insurance, you don't know when their reimbursement is going to come. So you can be the therapist waiting to get paid for several clients and they haven't dispersed yet. You don't know exactly when it's going to come to your, to your, uh, to deposit on your check. (laughs) You don't know that. So you're sitting around a lot of times. Yeah, I want to explain this for the audience because people do not get this, okay? So let me explain it, whether you're in private practice, by yourself, or you work for a group. So uh, Josh could see 20 clients in a week, okay? And we could bill all that for him that week. That could go out to, say, seven different insurance companies. Well, depending on the grace of the insurance gods, (laughs) 20 of those claims, five could get rejected for whatever, excuse my language, BS, and you guys can read between the lines. I'm trying to keep it PC. 
they decide they didn't like the note. They didn't like the code. They didn't like the way we pushed the button. Mm -hmm. So we have to re-push the button and send it back again. So it delays it again. But they take two weeks to tell us. And the other 15, they're going to review politely and take their little slow pee-poo time. And so maybe they'll reimburse in like seven to ten days. That's on the fast end. The slow end could be six to eight weeks, sometimes two months, okay? So Josh has seen 20 people in a week. A quarter of them will get just rejected because the insurance is assholes. The other 15, it's going to be grace of God whenever. Maybe you'll get it in four weeks. Maybe you'll give it in two months. That's just the way insurance works, okay? Now, let me take this to the next step, okay? Now, Josh is waiting. He's not getting that money. He's not getting 75% of that billable money. And we're going to, because I can't do math, we're just going to make this $1,000, okay? And that's not it, but I just can't do uneven numbers because I'm old and I don't do math. I can do a lot of things, but math is in it, and Josh knows this. A thousand bucks, okay? He made a thousand bucks that week. 500 of it, he probably will never see because the insurance companies are assholes. That's just the way they are, right, Josh? I agree. Okay. So we'll say what's left. I can't do math. Uh, 500. So uh, 500. Mm -hmm. So 500 was taken away. Let, 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 so what would be left? I don't know. We got to make it bigger than that. Let me find a pen. Whatever. You guys know what it is. Let's do 2,000. So, 2000. so if 2000. we take 500, we got 1,500. Okay, mm -hmm. so 1500 is going to get dispersed over the next, you know, six weeks to two months. That's typically how it rolls. Now, let's really screw Josh over because this is how real life works, kids, for y'all on the non-receiving end. If Josh was in private practice all by himself, all by himself, and he did all of his billing alone, and he paid for his EHR, okay, and he paid for his marketing, and he paid for all of the stuff all by himself, he could keep all that money. But if Josh worked for a company, and he didn't want to handle all that stuff, and he didn't want to have to pay for all that, well, you know, Josh is only going to get about 60 to 65% of that $1,500. Okay? And then he's going to pay taxes on it. So Josh just got screwed. Now, that's how therapy works. Now, you tell me what kind of fool does this kind of job? Somebody with a passion and a heart and love mm -hmm. to pour back into the broken because we were once broken too. That's why we do mm -hmm. this job. It ain't for the money. And it ain't for the respect because nobody respects us. It's because we will sit in the fire and we will help you. And I want everybody to know that. That's something I want to piggyback off. Also, I want to piggyback off of you, not just the part of um, who we're speaking about, but it's something you brought up, Kelly. Um, you're not this. I don't know anybody that I've met yet that just said, "I want to grow. I wanted to always be a counselor. I wanted to grow up to be a, a counselor." Mm -hmm. Because again, it's something when, especially when you are in it, mm -hmm. you know this has got to be a calling. This has to be something that you were put here to do uh even if you because again i never thought that i would be a counselor me either. i never thought that that wasn't in this the my 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 stars <laughs> what about you 
Right. It wasn't on my like, planet list. I was like, oh yeah, this is what no. I'm doing. Mm-mm. It wasn't. You know, you're a kid, you know, people say, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be an entertainer, whatever it is. Those things, but that was not on my list. But at the same time, once I became a counselor, I said, you know what? I've been doing this all of my life. It's just that I didn't have the backing. I didn't have the credentialing. I didn't have the education. I didn't have the uh, resources or things of that nature. But people have always come to me. Even as a kid, it's almost like even adults would talk to me, children. uh, People always wanted to confide in me, trust me, tell me their deepest, darkest things that they wouldn't talk to anybody. And I'm thinking like sometimes like, why are you telling me this? And I've said it too. I would do a lot of work uh, in in certain arenas as an adult with uh, celebrities, people who are well-known, have high platforms. And I could be in the green room asking them if they need something or whatever. And they just start pouring out to me. And I'm telling myself like, I could take this stuff that you're telling me and I could go tell it and it would not be a lie. But that would speak to also how when you have that type of gifting, people can sense it in you, which again is why you need to all, you have to kind of protect yourself too, because mm-hmm. some people will try to come to you just so they can get free help. But um, just to say that that's, it's not something that you just wake up and say, I want to do. But when you do have a love for people and you do have a love to watch people go through a season or a series of healing, mm-hmm. Uh, you get up every day to do it, even when it's hard to do. So, yeah. Yeah. And even when you're burnt from doing it, it's still that desire within you to go. I know these people can be delivered. I've been delivered and I know. So Mm -hmm. it's okay if I'm not getting paid and it's okay if they're going to hate me in the middle of it. I'm just going to do it anyway. And it's okay if my husband hates me when I get done with this because I'm going to be such a jerk. (laughs) That part. (laughs) Rob, but yeah. 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 Right. And I think that's what people outside the field don't quite get about people like us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I'm hoping yeah. to let everybody know. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So if you had just like five minutes to share your brilliance about what you would want folks to know, my beautiful baby brother, what would you want them <laughs> to know? Specifically about just anything as a professional or what? No, no, just like pearls of wisdom, like what you've learned, what's kind of helped keep you motivated in your darkest times, or just anything. It's whatever you feel led to. to, Okay. Okay. I would all. I would like to always uh, share with people to whatever you're doing in your walk of life, and I mean whether that be personally or professionally, I always say to remember your why. Mm -hmm. Remember the purpose behind why you're doing what you're doing. It's easy to know what you're doing, but it's like, do you remember why? When you get to those times or places where you're just tired, where you don't want to do it anymore, where you want to give up, where you want to throw in the towel and you just want to say, you know what, forget it. And it's like, okay, well, why did I start doing this in the first place? Also, because all of us are so uniquely gifted, all of us, I mean, all of us have different fingerprints for God's sake. None of us have the same fingerprint. So am I really tapping into why I was put here as each of us have a solution to solve in the earth? Um, There are going to be people who do exactly what you do, but they're not going to be able to do it how you do it. 
And so we don't need any duplication. We don't need anybody mirroring other people. It's one thing to be influenced by something. We're all uh, kind of mixtures of different influences that we have, but at the same time, the channel of it should be your authentic self. Right. Um, so nobody can I make it give it give you a quick example of that because I had to think about it for myself, and I said, you know what? Uh, in the entertainment world, I, my my top three people for for years has always been Whitney Houston, okay. Michael Jackson. And Tina Turner, mm-hmm. which all of them have passed now. Goodness gracious! But anyway, top three—they were huge entertainers. But at the same time, that's what they did the same. But their interpretation and what they gave out was totally different. Mm-hmm. So that just means for all of us that we're going to do things that other people, many people, are going to do. But make sure that you tap into the, the uniqueness and uh, that you have. And to stand in it and stand out in it, um, it's very easy sometimes to be afraid or step back. And uh, even in counseling, you know, I always tell my clients, you're not going to get another therapist like me. <laughs> you you might get another therapist similar, but you're not going to get the experience you get with me. But just think about what it would be like if I shied away and hid behind a mask and I became what I thought people wanted me. Versus being the person that I authentically am, uh, which uh, when you come from a background like I am, I have come from we're dealing with rejection and abandonment and uh, things of that nature. You want to shield and assimilate and accommodate. You want to be what you, you know, you want to make everybody have a smile on their face and be happy. Yeah. And that just, right. And I'll say, and that just goes to uh, speak to the part of we're not for everybody. The people who are called to you, the people who are going to come to you in whatever capacity you're in. I don't care if it's friendships. I don't care if it's clients. I don't care if it's uh, colleagues, whatever it is, anything that you people who are called to you are going to be drawn to the real and authentic you because you have something that they need. Um, I tell all my clients, and I remember being told in supervision in, uh, uh, inter- in my internship, you know, Josh, you're going to have people who are going to come to you. Uh, that are going to be going through things that you've had to overcome or things that you may even still be challenged with to a degree. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Can you sign my hours so I can, you know, be done for the the week? (laughs) You know, can we wrap this up? But I, I kid you not, every client that I've ever had, even to today, this very point, have gone through or going through things that I've had to go through or that I've experienced might not even be directly that I, uh, went through, but maybe I was around it. So it brings me to a place of compassion, understanding, empathy. Uh, and when the person knows that they're not alone, uh, because there's some level of me being able to relate. Uh, but just think about if I wasn't vulnerable or if I wasn't honest about what I've dealt with or what I've gone through or just showing up as Josh fully, yeah. I probably would have imposter syndrome and I probably will be always wearing a mask and always rejecting the true essence of who I am. So I would just say to always remember the why, why you're doing what you're doing. Um, Also, one other thing is to know the difference between when somebody asks you who you are to really know your true identity, because your identity is not what you do. Mm, Is it connected to it? 
Absolutely, it's connected right. to it. Just as I started listening, it's probably why at first when I first started when, when Kelly said, "Tell a little bit about yourself," and I was like, "Well, I'm a licensed clinical mental health mm -hmm. counselor. I'm a life coach. I'm a singer. I'm a dancer, actor. I'm an author. All of those things." Yeah, and you know what? There used to be a time I would have shrunk to something like that. Oh, I don't want to say that because I don't right. want people to think that I'm this, that, the other. People are going to think whatever they think about you, as long as you know what your intent is and you mm -hmm. stand in your truth of that. Um, but I'll say. Am I a singer? Yes. Am I a counselor? Yes. But those are not who that's not who I am. But can I say that I'm an encourager who happens yeah. to sing? Absolutely. Am I an encourager who happens to be a counselor? Yes. Am I an encourager who happens to be a life coach? Yes. Think of this in this way before I as I'm gonna close and wrap this up really quick, but think about what you can be and not do, but be. 24 hours a day. I'm not going to sing 24 hours a day. I'll have nodules for the rest of my life. <laughs> I'm not going to dance 24 hours a day because I'll end up in physical therapy for the rest of my life. I'm not going to provide counseling 24 hours a day. But I can always encourage. I can always be an encourager. I can encourage somebody at the at the gas station. I can encourage somebody at the, at the supermarket. <laughs> I can encourage somebody at a restaurant. I can always be a friend. Yeah. I can always be a son. I can't change that. So thinking about the difference when someone asks you who you are, don't try not to think so quickly to what you do and what you perform, what duties you have, but think about who you be. You are literally what who you who what's your being? You're a human. I think my pastor says the pastor, shout out to Bishop Joseph Walker, Mount Zion Baptist Church. Uh, <laughs> Just want to throw that out there. Uh, but uh, he always says you were created to be a human being, not a human doing. Mm -hmm. So just want to say that you guys tap into your why. Make mm -hmm. sure you really know who you are. Stand in your uniqueness and stand out because you were created to be exactly who you are for such a time as this. And you know, as and you that's said, all for stuff. As you say that, not to cut you off, but as you are talking so passionately and so precisely about that, that connects to me with what mental wellness is. Because if you know your why and you know who you be, then you're well. Right? You might need to write that down, Kayla. That might need to be a phrase you oh, uh, keep. <laughs> Put that on a piece of paper, but isn't that true? I agree. Because if you do, I think like you say, if you know who you are and you and know you, who you be, be then you, you be if you know who you be and if you know your why, why you're here, you're well. Because then that means be that there's no there's no restriction. And that 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 way also, if you know those things about yourself, you'll take care of yourself because you know how valuable you are and you know your worth. But then you also take care of others, right? That allows you to take care of you, it allows you to take care of others, and it keeps you well. And so I think you just wonderfully size that up and I will slap that on a t-shirt in a heartbeat or a wristband so people can write it down and not forget it. Yeah. Uh, and I want to thank you. You have been a wonderful friend to me. A Thanks wonderful friend. Always showing up when I need you at a phone call for some really horrible times for me. Um, and yes. just being delightful. <laughs> I love you for it. I love you too. And thank you also. Again, it, it takes one to know one because again, I appreciate everything that you have done for me as, I mean, 
it seemed like professional has always even been the personal with you and I, but it's been the inter thin line at times. Cause it's like, okay, I'm prof- I can be the supervisor. I can be whatever, but no, wait, I, I want to, let me be the friend too. Let me be the sister. Let me be the mom figure. Let me do all of these things. So, uh, and stepping in when I've needed uh, help in, in times, definitely, uh, whether that was verbally, uh, financially, whatever, <laughs> whatever it was being there. And I think that that's a part of, um, what I speak about being your authentic self, you get to be uh, connected to people who get you, who understand you, who cover you, who are really linked to you and really care about the being of you, not the doing of you. So I appreciate you for that for years. Because again, when I first met you and uh, when you first came, uh, when you were in Fayetteville, I was like, she's my type of crazy. I like her. (laughs) I don't know about her, but she's a whirlwind. My husband's got a little license plate that says that she's a hurricane with a little bit of sunshine. Yeah. And that's me. <laughs> <laughs> and I get right. it. I do. I appreciate you so much for weathering storms with me and helping me figure out my supervision style and letting me love you in my wild, crazy way. And, yes. And- Kelly, before we go, talk about the just before you just to let the people know about sometimes with the uh, well, like you said at the beginning, the relationships of things that you where you heal certain things that I think it comes from when you just don't have a level of understanding of what people are trying to provide to you uh, um, in relationship. Yes, I do think so. I think that when people you are trying to help somebody heal, they sometimes take it as an offense because they too are so wounded that they are reactionary towards the healing. And, you know, do you want to talk about our little rupture real quick? Do you have time? Yes, let's tell them. Let's tell the people. (laughs) Oh, my God, we're giving people our tea. Okay, here's the background tea on the Josh and the Kelly show. (laughs) So we weren't even going to put this in. We were going to save this for season two, uh, how to manage a rupture. <laughs> exclusive background shot. So <laughs> for season two, but you guys get it early. So in the beginning of our relationship, I was brand new at our place of employment and I was just a new, I wasn't a new therapist, but I was new to the practice. Mm-hmm. And um, Josh had been there a while. I was a brand newbie, but I'd been a therapist a while and you all don't know me yet, but you will know me. And I am this wild that's all I can tell you. I am a, I would say I'm a tornado, but I'm probably more like a hurricane. If anybody's from North Carolina, y'all will know what that is. It's like storms. Then there's a bunch of sun storms. There's a bunch of sun. And you don't know just what you're getting, but buy snacks y'all buy snacks. Cause you're going to need them. Right. Anyway, I'm loving, I am loving, but if you don't know, you might get scared of me. And so um, Josh has this beautiful, soft, sweet spirit. He is the sweetest man. He's so soft. He's so sweet. I don't know if y'all can tell on the screen, but the kid looks like he's 12. I mean, he, honest to God, looks like he's 12. In person, he's even younger looking. And he does. He has this sweet, soft spirit. And he is tall. Like, I'm like 5'3 and maybe 100 pounds. And Josh, how tall are you? 6'3". See, so he's like a a whole person bigger than me, but (laughs) he, if next to him, I just felt like he was a baby. And the reason I felt that way is I have a son 
who also has this beautiful same soft spirit that Josh has. They both are like old souls. I swear yes. to God, like they probably came out of the womb being a thousand years old. They, <laughs> they, they both do. And see, but Josh didn't know that about me. He did not know that I had this transference that I really, when I saw Josh, I saw my son. It was just the same level of energetic connection, right? Mm -hmm. And so while I was trying to maintain boundaries, which I'm not very good at because I'm very touchy-feely, I'm like the most touchy-feely person you know, not in a negative way, like I'm not grabbing what? butts or anything, but <laughs> I'm very like huggy and hey, babe, and how are you? And mm -hmm. how are things? And my love language to others is gifts and food. And may I shower you with a party? May I take you to lunch? Can I buy you a cupcake? Can I, that's me. Like, And it's genuine, it's genuine. <laughs> yeah, like I don't expect anything in return. Mm -hmm. I am mm -hmm. a nut. Like I come in, like, like I said, like a hurricane, like I walked into this place with nobody knowing me and I was an explosion of energy that I don't think anybody saw coming. Like it didn't matter. I'm like a glitter dust bomb troll fairy. Yeah, that's me. Because part of it is I know, like Josh told you his story. I knew the kids making nothing, trying to get hours, working hard. Like, you don't think I'm not, I'm not reading like all of that through the lines and the lens of what's going on. Yes. So I want you to filter all this. I know all of his story through the lens of what's going on. Okay. So I know he's getting screwed financially by me because I, at this point, I think maybe going into ownership, but so I'm kind of almost his boss at this point. So it's not even that, but I know he's not making any money. And the kid is the hardest working kid I have ever met in my life. This guy is hustling. So he's hard working. He's so cute and handsome. He's got the <laughs> sweetest, softest spirit. He reminds me so much of my baby. Who at this time is going into high school. Y'all, yeah. if you don't know about having a baby boy that you absolutely adore going into high school, it's traumatic. And so I'm having all these issues of like, having to leave my baby boy at school. And then I was also recovering from this long chronic illness. And so it was really difficult for me going back to work and I'm, I'm having all these issues of self doubt, right? Of like, am I going to be able to do this? Am I going to handle it? And I'm like getting my clinical feet sturdy again. So I'm painting you this big picture. Okay. So I overstep with poor Josh. God love poor Josh. I get too familiar with this poor fella. And I, I think I probably said, thanks, babe. I appreciate it, hon. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what I'm babe. saying. He's, yeah, he's bringing me items because mm -hmm. he's the assistant to the practice, right? So mm -hmm. and it's in my position, like I'm second in charge and he's bringing me things. And so I'm saying it, but I'm referring to him. Like I would refer to my son. I wasn't trying to be disrespectful, but the energy, because I'm loving him in my way, but I wasn't respecting him in the way he needed. So please tell them how you put me back in my place. Yes. I mean, and you know what? It's so funny. It's so funny now because again, this is the beauty of growing. 
this is the beauty of uh, learning yourself and then also acknowledging where some of your hurt has been or your distrust with people or whatever because of things you've gone through. And as soon as she said that, because y'all, I had just really started walking in my boundary because I used to didn't have, I was free access to everybody, whatever you needed. You could say whatever you want, whatever, you know. Well, not everything because I, I could put you in your place if I needed to. <laughs> but I, when she said that, I was like, you could just call me Josh. That's what you said. You can just call and me. I, I could tell because we had, I mean, and it really wasn't like I had a, it was a, like, a, now I'm like, oh, I don't want to be around her no more. No, it was just like, oh, I got to correct this or whatever. Because we always had, a, ever since she started, we were always, you know, cool, calm, collected, laughing, tripping. She is crazy. And so I'm crazy too. So I enjoyed that. However, I actually, you don't know this, but when I left out of your office that day, I felt like I was like, I was like, I had to correct her, but I really didn't want to. I didn't want to, but I had to because again, that was something I was growing into. But I was like, oh no, I don't. But at the same time, it really wasn't because of what she said, and it was because of me trying to make sure I maintained bound. But also, I was still growing through uh, where people would be. Where I, I, I had a lot of experiences growing up as a child, a teenager, and young adult, where people would become so nice to me, to like real me. To reel me in so then they could take advantage yes. of me they can use me they can do all those things and in the same same token that's not what i was thinking right then but it shows you how the things we go through that we're still working through will come to will resurface and i was immediately like oh no i got to tell her to just call me josh because i don't know she thinks that she going you know it, you you go there and it's not on the person it's the the hurt that you dealt with and dealing with people who are manipulative Everybody was so nice at first, you know, you know, kind and draw me on in until they could use me like until I was a doormat. So that was it had nothing to do with her per se. It just allowed me to see, oh, wait, you still trying to build trust and know, but then I'll build trust with others uh, and also know that you do have power to make sure that no one uses you or no one takes advantage of you. So that's what that was, because even after that, we just we still it was still the same. And then when she shared with me what she thought and then, of course, I knew her son. I met him. He used to sit in my office sometimes when he come in from school and things. So I immediately made the connection. And when she told me, I was like, ah, she literally was seeing that mothering thing. She can't help because me and her son are, and even though he's a, he's an adult now, I don't know who told him he could be an adult, but we're very much the same. So it made a lot of sense. So I knew that where her heart was really pure in that. So again, that also helped me with healing in that area as well. But I thought it was wonderful that you checked me right because very few people will <laughs> i mean it's hard i mean i mean once people i mean it's hard to check me it's very hard mm. i'm very for i'm a force to be reckoned with at times when i can mm. <laughs> very hard to check me so i appreciated that you did and it gave me pause and i did apologize and i told mm -hmm. you where i spoke from and you know i would never yep. do that again and i wouldn't do it to anybody else unless i really knew them but of course now you know i'm like oh you're my baby brother yeah. <laughs> but you know i really did want you know and then once we talked i understood where that came from right well, it was like we laughed at it because it was like oh i'm like now i get it so that's why again it's so important to communicate so important to communicate with uh with others loved ones friends whoever there's a misunderstanding clear it up clear it right. up right and i think it was important too for us to both be really introspective and for me because at first i really like i 
I knew a little bit like why I leaned into that with you, but I, it didn't really come into clear vision so much until after you called me out on it. And then I was like, oh, I'm really feeling this connection with you because of Wyatt, right? Right. Which right. could have been unhealthy because I might have like given you more favor than somebody else because <laughs> of that, right? I was and it still wouldn't spoiled. have been fair. Right? It wouldn't have been fair. It could have cleared on my judgment. So I was glad that you pointed that out. So yeah. it was very helpful. And it helped you too. And I thought it was wonderful because people have ruptures in relationships all the time. And the the yeah. the whole um way you can put your pulse on a healthy relationship is how you heal and wound a rupture. And I think it was wonderful how we did that and worked through it. I did too. You know, yes. and now we've now we've been able to be there for one another through some really, really difficult times and show yes. up. <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah. <laughs> So no idea. Yeah. And that's how you create safety and that's how you create trust. And, and that's how you do life together. Mm -hmm. Right. I agree. And that's Absolutely. what I would like us to teach people, how you do life together mm -hmm. authentically. Well, Absolutely. Josh, I have loved having you with me today. I love being there, Kelly. <laughs> to come out to the farm and be with me. I know. Take so me bad. out to the ball game. <laughs> Good to come out that way. Yes. Yeah. Well, everyone, thank you all for joining us today on The Heart of the Matter. If you have not yet subscribed, please do so. Click the link below. Share this podcast, please. <laughs> and we love you all. Thanks again for joining us on The Heart of the Matter.